listening to the Fit Nation Lunch and Learn podcast. These audio files have been taken from our bi-weekly Lunch and Learn webinars. If you'd like to watch these, sign up at fitnation.co forward slash webinar. All righty. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today for our second Fit Nation Lunch and Learn. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the, the op time and opportunity to join us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it, too. Nice. So for those of you guys who, who don't know Matt, Matt joined us uh, in one of our very first webinars that we had when we were kicking off our uh, our COVID webinar series. And uh, during that uh, during that series, Matt, you took us through an, uh, an overview of how you were going to be uh opening up and planning the, the, the reopening and you had it in phases. How, uh, how have things gone since, since actually doing that? So we're still in what we would call phase one. Um, you know, it gets difficult because each state or federally there's different phases, but for phase one, I'm referring to our plan, which is really the first set of restrictions we had was uh, the, the state of Minnesota limited clubs to 25% of their fire code or 250 people, whatever is lower. Uh, fire code for us, 25% would have been over 700 people because um, we're a large club. We're 260,000 square feet under roof. So we're limited to the 250 people plus, and that includes staff. So currently we have a reservation system um, and we're using, this is an unintended plug, but we're using Virtue Gym for that. Um, using the schedule component so that we have X amount of people coming per area of our club. Um, like there's so much on the fitness floor. We've managed to, to open basketball safely um, where one person can get a basket so that there's social distancing. So we have some of those restrictions going on. But all in all, it's gone pretty well for the members who are comfortable coming in. The most important thing we feel is we have to make the club uh safe and feel safe. I mean, I'm not worried about the cleanliness and what we're doing to make it safe, but it still has to feel safe for the customer. So, you know, visually we have to be doing some things that normally um, weren't, we weren't doing, we would clean, you know, we clean overnight, but now we want to be visibly cleaning all the time and, and doing just some cues that, that mentally make people feel better, but it's been going all right. We are at about 50% of our normal attendance. Um, year to year. Um, one of the blessings is um, all our pools in our city did not open. We have an outdoor pool, so we've opened that. So that gives us kind of a, a little bit of an advantage in the area that's increased some member demand. So we can have up to 250 people outside as well. So we have to manage uh, the bather load out there. So we've got reservations for pools and, and whatnot. And and in the beginning, everybody loved it because you could do something different. But now it's kind of um, dragging on and, and people are looking for maybe a change to the next step where they don't have to do reservations. They can use the club as they want. Um, but all in all, I think things have gone really, really well. And I think it's really important that we maintain it and keep not only the club safe, but, you know, we have to keep everybody safe so that this pandemic can hopefully slow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I'm happy to hear that. It's going, it's going good. If anybody would like to get some more, some more details on, uh, on that webinar and what the, what the program was that Matt was is speaking about in a little bit more color, uh, definitely feel free to check out the, uh, our, our YouTube channel. Uh, it's underneath our virtual gym support page. And there you'll be able to have access to that to that video so that you can see exactly how they laid it out. It was just very comprehensive, included uh, everything from how they're managing each each space, the fitness center, the lockers and uh, and additionally, uh, what um, uh, what that first phase looks like. And then you said you were breaking it out into three phases as well. Yeah. Our intent is to have it in three phases. One is when there's, you know, we're no longer under that 250 person restriction, um, but probably still likely a 25 or 50% restriction and what that ebbs and flows like, because that would allow us to have a little more freedom. Um, and then the third phase is obviously just a return to no restrictions. Got it. And that's probably post-vaccine. 
Perfect. So yeah, if, if this is the first time that uh, that that you guys are joining us and and uh, you haven't had a chance in order to hear Matt's story before, Matt, could you uh, provide a little background on, on on yourself? How long you've been working in the fitness industry? How'd you first land in uh, in fitness as a career? So that you know some of our our audience members who who don't know Rochester Athletic Club can have a understanding of who you are in the club. Sure. Um, so I next month I'll have been in the fitness industry for 20 years. Um, so I started in September 2000. Um, I'm a second generation club owner. So my dad was one of the original founders of the club. Uh, he had four partners at that time. Um, two of them really had the idea for our marketplace after visiting um, a large club in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, which is just a, a, our a little over an hour north of us, but they came back and thought Rochester could use that. And they hired a general manager or a, a consultant to make the plan. And they opened in 1993. The consultant uh, really liked the plan so much that he decided to stay on. And he was our general manager from 1993 to 2012. But really, so I worked at a, a different company. Um, I was a technology trainer and I was traveling um, every two two out of two weeks out of every month and uh, my wife and i found out we were expecting and i decided i didn't want to keep up that same um, travel schedule so that's when i reached out to my dad and asked him if there was a need maybe at the club and ironically at that time they were looking for a new software system so it kind of fit with exactly what i was doing with my other job and i came over and in 2000, um, I can say that the club did not have internet, that did not have email. Um, so I started with just getting some of those things up to speed and getting us connected. And then, you know, we've obviously run from there. But uh, I went to school to be a business owner. My, my degree is in entrepreneurship. I thought it was going to be a movie theater, um, which those have been hurt by COVID big time. But uh, I'm grateful I found my way in into uh you know, the club, it's been a great place and a great industry for the last 24 years and for the foreseeable future. Oh, wow. I, a lot of stuff that I, I didn't know about you that I had an opportunity to, to learn uh, in there as well. So some nuggets in there for, for me. You said you've been been working industry uh, in the fitness industry, at least for, for 20 years. How, how has the industry changed uh, from from when you started till today? Um, so the biggest change I would, I've, I've thought of is really member experience has become more of a focus um, since I started. And I'm not implying it wasn't a focus in 93, but but really where I felt like at least what we were targeting, it, it was more an amenity standpoint. Here's what we offered. You know, we have racquetball. We have this. We have that. Technology wasn't super important at that time. Like people didn't have smartphones or, you know, apps or anything. But really now I think it's really important from a membership standpoint that, you know, technology has changed expectations in everyday life. Like you don't go to the store to rent a video anymore. You don't wait and take that kind of time. You, you, everybody's expecting everything on demand. So having, you know, an app for people to get questions answered or, you know, having our equipment connect to Netflix, all those just things that piece together to make more of a member experience um, that it's way different than what it was in 1993. Really, it was it was offering equipment. And now it's about making the place as comfortable and as welcoming as possible. Interesting. Yeah, and, and and I'm sure probably there's been a lot of changes as well that have, have happened with your uh, uh, career from before and in the 20 years that you've uh, you've had the experience in it as well. You know, I, I, especially for a lot of the, the newer uh, the newer business owners who are joining and maybe even those who are, are a couple of years into their to their their career. You know, what what mistakes did you make early on in your career? What were some of the learnings uh, from that as well that you can help others avoid some potholes? <laughs> sure. Um, boy, I've had plenty of mistakes. And really, you're right. What do you learn from it is more important than what the mistake was. Um, but some one of the big things I had to learn is I wouldn't always take the necessary time to think about an issue without coming up with a solution or an answer. Um, and that happened a lot early on when it was mostly involving people, whether it was members or staff, because I believed and I still believe that my role as an owner is to make decisions. Right. 
Um, but I used to believe the faster, the better. Um, and time was wasted or I was wasting somebody else's time um, when a decision wasn't being made as fast as, as possible. What I've learned is it's okay to say I don't have an answer at this time. Um, I need overnight to think about it. I need an hour to think about it. I'll follow up with you um, in a week, whatever it is, define what that period is. Um, but take a little time to think about that uh, because I've learned that it's important to pause and think about decisions sometimes. Um, I'll use what my kids have taught me. And, that, you know, I was talking with my daughter one day and she said, well, my reaction, dad, wasn't I wasn't using my wise mind. And I, um, I didn't understand what she said or what she meant. Um, so there's two circles. One is reasonable mind and one is your emotional mind. And the wise mind is where they intersect. Um, so I try to make more decisions in that area where my reasonable mind and my emotional mind intersect where early on in my career, I was making a lot of emotional decisions. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a big one. And it definitely hits, hits home with me as, uh, as well. I can't say, you know, how many times, you know, someone approaches you for, for, for help and looking for an answer and you just feel the need in order to just always have everybody's answer in, in the moment. And yeah, I think that uh, sometimes ego can, can get in the way of you, you know, just saying, Hey, give me some time in order to, to figure this out. That That's right. huge. Yeah. That's been I, my experience. Yeah. So yeah, we talked a little bit about some, some learnings and, and mistakes. How about, how about the other end, a little bit of, uh, you know, the other side of things, what do you think over the course of the 20 years was your biggest accomplishment? Uh, so the most, I guess the thing I'm most proud of are, are the people I'm blessed and lucky enough to work with. Um, I really recognize that they have a choice on where they want to spend their time, effort, and, and you know, yeah, basically, I'm sorry, their time and their effort, but I'm grateful they choose to do so at the club. Um, so I had a difficult time in 2012 where um, I was not enjoying my job at all. Um, I was not being satisfied with, because uh, I became president of the club in 2008 when I had bought two of the partners out. Um, my dad was looking to have less involvement. So I, I kind of was president by title, but not by um, whether I didn't take the reins or whether I was struggling to, to get the reins from people who had been there before. Either way, I just felt like I was fighting and I really didn't enjoy work at all. So I was really thinking about leaving. Um, and I prayed a lot about it. And, and really one day I answered the phone and it was a consultant company. Um, and it was the day, or it was the morning after I prayed the hardest for, I need a decision because I need to jump off one direction or the other. And so I really felt like I'm going to give this person some time. So they, what they offered was a complimentary. We come in for two days and we assess your business and it really felt, you know, kind of salesy and, but I let the guy come in and he came and talked to me and he was a former pastor, which was interesting. And then he was talking to me and he talked about, uh, he gave me some homework and he said, I need you to think about this, this story and this reaction. And his question was about Moses and, and Pharaoh. And I again, just felt back to, I was being led to what I had prayed about. And I really decided at that moment that I was getting extended some help. So I was going to roll with whatever recommendations they made. We did that. Um, it was difficult. We had some changes that we had to make. I got taught leadership skills. We changed management at the club. We changed the structure of the club, the leadership of the club, some of the reporting, the things we were looking at. Um, and I can honestly say that I've enjoyed my job 99% of the time since. Um, my dad thought I was absolutely nuts spending that kind of money and that effort on redoing a business that had been running um, and running successfully. Um, but it just, we, we were fighting some stuff inside that we didn't know that we were fighting. Um, and just sometimes recognizing an opportunity to learn from somebody else and giving into that um, was good. And really we spent several hundred thousand dollars on that, but it, we made that money back in less than, less than 18 months and have been more profitable since. So that really was my biggest accomplishment because it kind of turned our, our business on its head and, and we pivoted big time. 
Wow. You, would, could you, could you go in a little bit of, of detail of what that, what that kind of looked like? Um, sure. So, you know, at the time we had a general manager and then we had all these departments uh, that reported to him. We've since structured where we have an executive team, which consists of the general manager. We now have an assistant general manager, our human resources director and our finance director. And the five of us meet every week. And then we have all our management teams. So the HR, or I'm sorry, the assistant general manager and the general manager each have about six people that report to them rather than 14 people reporting to one person. So when that one person's gone, um, like if they take a two week vacation, it doesn't just throw everything out of balance where now they have other people they can report to. And it's not like, the general manager left and and things went crazy before, but we just lacked a little bit of uh, structure that I think has been good. So the executive team and I focus on big picture policy, overarching things that affect all departments. And then, um, you know, just the structure has, has worked. We've got weekly numbers that we look at at a flash report um, and just, I don't know. The camaraderie of the team is better. We're focused on different things. We changed really um, the values of the club about a year and a half after that. Um, and really that kind of rolled through and changed the culture over the next five years. So it, it was, uh, I would say it was a five-year project. And then um, after that, we started renovating each sections of the club. So we were doing that at the same time. So we were renovating not only internally, but um, cosmetically and externally as well. Very cool. Yeah, there's two things that I that, you know, jumped out at me as you were going through that, which I feel were can can transcend to a lot of people who are listening. One is, even if you know, the business is successful and, and being uh, and is profitable and things are going well, it's never a bad time in order to evaluate, you know, your processes and, and what's happening in, in order to find additional uh, improvements. Um, and and also uh, one which is is huge as well is you know just because you're you're running a successful uh, and profitable business doesn't necessarily mean that it's giving you uh, giving you the the joy that it yeah. that it could. Zero fulfillment and and I can honestly say I've enjoyed it since. And I was really at the point where it, my answer was to leave or to change a business. So I had to explore one of the two, and I chose to work on the business. Yeah. Yeah, one one other thing is what uh, is well in there, which I I think many of the the owners who are who are on as well, especially if they're they're single operators and maybe have a have a have a personal training uh, personal training team who maybe helps them in the in a studio is, is that we're always obsessed and and focused on all of the all of the data the the day to day, and sometimes we don't have an opportunity in order to be a we don't set up the systems and the processes to remove ourselves from that. We get focused on all of these day-to-day things and, and uh, it's important to create systems that allow you to have, uh, to be a business owner rather than being in the business all of the time. Completely true. Um, I really have almost zero, zero or zero day-to-day responsibilities as a result of these changes that we put in eight years ago. I mean, that my job is to set the vision um, and to provide the tools for people to execute their jobs. I don't have responsibilities to the day-to-day. If I take care of my employees, they'll take care of the members. 100%. Awesome. So yeah, wanted uh, to switch gears a little bit now. Um, this way we uh, we can j- dive deep into uh, to something that we want to call the, the operations deep dive. Um, okay. So here's where we want to you know take this segment of the uh, of the webinar and have a chance in order to dive into uh, either a program that that you've implemented within the organization or a challenge that might have presented itself in the organization and really dive into some of the the nitty uh, the gritty details as far as what that uh, what that looked like. Is there sure. something that? Yeah, so one thing that came to mind is, uh, you know, in 20, 2019, now it's not necessarily, I think, the problem that is interesting, but I would think the the approach we took to solving the problem is more of the, the part that we did that was a little bit different, at least for us. But I want to talk about when we changed our sick and vacation, um, where, you know, full-time employees got either sick or vacation time to getting a PTO, which is a bank that they can take for paid time off and how we approached that and problem solved it. So 
Um, the, that same executive team, the general manager, assistant general manager, finance director, HR director, and myself, we meet every year uh, to set goals for the business. Um, we used a form that I got from Rex when I first started in Rex uh, roundtables. And I'm blessed and fortunate enough to be in roundtable too with some great operators. Um, it, that has been one of the biggest gifts and that happened around 2012 too. So that's influenced a lot of this, but really the sheet has first agenda goals, which refer to the overall business, second agenda goals, which focus on core strategic elements of strategy, structure, staffing, and systems. Uh, third agenda goals, which are leadership and development goals, and then getting better goals where you look at improved efficiency or effectiveness. Um, so what we each do is we take this a blank document and we bring three ideas for each type of goal. Um, and we agree on what we're going to put down on paper and measure against for the rest of the year. So we usually have somewhere between three and six goals per section. Uh, and when we when we converse, we usually have crossover on some. Um, but we check the status of these goals at least three times a year. Um, partially because I have to report them to my Rex group when I go. Uh, but that cadence seems to have worked for us. So since we really started that, we've been successful in completing almost every single item on the list. Or we realized we had to pivot and change something as we were working through. Um, but I can really only think of one or two in the eight years we've been doing this, one or two items that we hadn't completed out of all those goals. Um, but we usually walk away with an understanding of why. So one of our 2019 goals was to, to change that sick and vacation to PTO. So my the general manager of the club is also in a Rex group. We felt it was important to understand what's being offered from a benefit perspective in, in the club industry. So we each polled our uh, roundtables. I'm also in a, in a local roundtable, which I highly recommend uh, too. I'm in a family business uh, roundtable, happens to be the focus of the one I'm in. But I asked them what they're offering for benefits, too, because really, when I'm looking at employees, I'm hiring the same people that they're hiring. Um, mm -hmm. So our benefits needed to be comparable more so, in my opinion, with what's local than what's going on in the club industry, because uh, I'm not hiring from all over the United States. I'm focused on what's available in Rochester, Minnesota. But we took all this information, we put it in a spreadsheet um, to boil it down and just kind of see where we fit. Um, but where we where we changed some things is we took and met off site then at that point. It was a big enough deal where we wanted to get away from the day to day, get away from the daily distractions. And we really wanted to uh, to focus on it. So we scheduled at a, another business in Rochester. We scheduled a meeting in their conference room. Um, we compared the data, shared our thoughts. We agreed to the migration of how we're going to convert. Um, you know, people who have banks of hours. We created a presentation, updated the associate handbook and got a form ready all before lunch uh, wow. because we sent we we sat there, took the time, did the homework. Um, but we got away from distractions um, when we were also there. We had an agenda and we took tackled three other things. One of the good ideas I felt came out of there is we now sell a guest pass package. Um, just like people sell personal training packages. But for our members who bring a frequent guest from time to time, one of the feedbacks we kept getting through our survey system is um, I'd like a cheaper alternative to bring a guest if they wanted to bring one of their kids' friends to the pool every so often. So during that meeting too, we kind of came up with a guest pass package and what that looks like. But I think it's important every once in a while to take it part of your team focus on a specific project and get out of the business and talk about it. Um, because, you know, we still had some stuff to, to finish when we came back. Our finance director needed to update the payroll software and everything. But um, really, we got a lot of that work done in a short amount of time because we, we took the time to get away from distractions and we collected the data first. So that, I think, was a successful um way we navigated that problem. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. It, it, as far as the trigger, you know, what was the what was the thing that made you reconsider and take a look at the PTO program and and start to create some of these changes? Was it difficult in order to start it to keep continue to attract uh, key roles or something else? No, um, really, 
my HR director will laugh at this, but he asked me, he's asked me probably 10 years in a row to look at this program. Um, and 10 years in a row, I would say, I'm not very interested because I knew it would upset my dad. That's that's the balance of a family business. You have to watch sometimes that maybe, you know, if you're a founder, you don't have to. There's certain things I know that are kind of off limits. I felt strong enough that it was a time to approach that. But we had plenty of staff who were interested in that because the biggest employer in our town is Mayo Clinic. Um, and Mayo Clinic employs literally 25% of the town of the total population. Um, so they do that. So whatever Mayo kind of does, somebody's always connected with somebody who works at Mayo. So whether they had spouses or whatever. So we've had some internal pressure to do that for a while. Um, and after I had one employee in particular who said, you took the last negative away from working here when you changed it from uh, vacation and sick to PTO. She said everything else has always been wonderful. But that, so, you know, you have to listen to your employees, too. That's amazing. So um, if I understand the process correctly for others in order to be able to kind of like take that and follow it, you uh, from what I gathered is it was a combination of one, finding a group of other club operators, uh, sync up with them to have an understanding of what their PTO packages look like so that this way you can reference those as a, as a guide. More importantly, look at the local uh, get with get together with a local group as well and understand what the PT, uh, PTO options are in the community because that's exactly who you're who you're communicating with. And then when you go in order to design these programs uh, with your team, uh, it's a huge ad advantage in order to go offsite away from distractions in order to be able to come up with these plans. And uh, it'll help the plan come together in a couple hours from what it sounds yeah, like. It came together faster than I thought it would, but you know, really. Um, it was a matter of, I happened to collect the data, but I really wasn't paying attention to the data till we got in that room. So yeah, it's asking the right questions and then putting the data in, in a way that's understandable for the group who's gonna be making a decision. So we talked through it in a short amount of time and really it, it's been great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and so kind of piggybacking off, oh, sorry, Derek, go ahead. I was going to say, is it safe to say then? So obviously your company culture and, you know, coming up through the, the generations is something of, of super importance to you guys. So although you're kind of making these goals with the, the leadership team, I think it's safe to say that with a lot of these programs, you're actually really relying on the rest of the team to help implement. Obviously, this particular program with benefits is probably a little bit more complex, uh, right. but with other programs. No, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the values that we have as, as a company is to empower all associates. Um, I really feel strongly like each of us bring a special unique of what makes you you, your skills, your talents, your perspective to your job. So it doesn't make sense for me as an owner to tell someone how to teach a yoga class. We hired them because they know how to teach a yoga class. They've got the personality for it. If they need me to instruct them how to teach a yoga class, we aren't going to have a successful yoga program. So really, yeah, hire people and give them the opportunity to do their best work. Awesome. And, and one of the questions that I was going to ask, because you, you mentioned you mentioned two things, uh, is that you uh, you have these groups that you're able to rely on. Uh, in order to to be able to kind of check check what's happening within the community as well as in the industry, yeah. um, if, I'm not sure you know what what others are doing who are who are on this call as well. But what um what professional associations are you a part of, and what would you recommend for them to start getting involved and have access to some of these resources like what you have? So the ones I'm a part of our Rex Roundtables, um, which is they have a bunch of different club um, roundtables and they have different roles, whether it's they have a personal trainer table, they have a sales table, they have a GM table. I happen to be in an in a owner's roundtable. And the other one I'm in locally is uh, it's Rochester Family Business Council. It just happens to be a small um, town group that somebody started, but I've heard of Vistage. I know people have had good luck with that. And that's local stuff where uh, you're in there with different other businesses. But really, um, how that Rochester family business group started is three or four of us thought it would be a good idea to know what other businesses in town are dealing with. And as an owner, 
you're in a little bit of an isolated position with who you can necessarily talk to about some of the problems you're having. Um, I don't feel it's wise for me to dump my problems on my staff or, you know, there's got to be certain discussions I can have with certain people. But um, and I don't think it's uh, wise for me to bring my problems home and dump them on my wife. Um, So we thought it would be a good place to find something with other owners. And both of them are a safe place for you to go, look, I'm struggling with this. Um, and, And it's really been beneficial. So if there's not something like that in your area, don't be bashful to make a couple of phone calls to, to maybe some either businesses, you know, through memberships at your club or just people, you businesses, small businesses you admire and ask them if they would ever be interested in small or forming a small group. We meet once a month for two and a half hours for that Rochester family business group. That's pretty decent. Um, Rex says you go away for three, two and a half day visits. Uh, a year, and there's a little more structure to that. But yeah, networking is is really important. As a, and as an owner, having some peers that you can bounce ideas off of has been one of the biggest uh, assets that I've had. So I couldn't recommend that any more uh, than just go out and and look into it and take some action. Awesome. Yeah, th- thanks. Thanks for that. Um, it's uh, one of the things I want to do now is um, is also turn it over to uh, to Derek. Derek. Derek had some questions as well that that he had that were were more about the industry and and trends and that that are that are happening. I'll uh, Derek, uh, can you can you jump into those as well? Yeah, of course. So I think you're going to come at a very unique perspective from this, Matt, just given that, I mean, you've been in the industry for, I think you said about 20 years, et cetera, coming up through the generations, you've probably already have seen trends that have happened <laughs> over that time frame, et cetera. So I was actually hoping to be a little bit more futuristic looking and hopefully in the near future, I'm referring to, you know, thinking about the, the industry, obviously the, the global situation we're in at the moment and understand, you know, you know, economically or maybe specific trends you think that are basically going to be here maybe to, to stay? Oh, um, trends. I th- so what's been fascinating to me, you know, just going through the, the pandemic, like everybody else, I happen to have three teenagers at home. Um, so going from where we were literally home, you know, we had to stay at home. The stay at home order is what it was called here. Um, I really became very aware of how social creatures human beings are and how much certain people need that social interaction um, over others. My youngest is by far my most extroverted kid and she just needed that. Um, And when we weren't giving it to her, unfortunately she was sneaking out and getting it, but uh, that's neither here nor there. It stressed the importance of, I think the club industry has got a a unique opportunity going forward because we're going to be a social place that um, if these trends continue where more people are going to work from home, I think clubs are going to be more important to have some social spaces and the ability for social interaction. You know, obviously when some of the threat of being within six feet of each other, masked or unmasked, when some of that social anxiety goes down, we're going to be an important place where people spend a lot of time, um, not just getting physically stronger, but but having some emotional activity, having some social activity. And I really I'm going to work on stressing here how we're going to be a community um, for our members to to be able to just meet, socialize and, and engage in some of that stuff that people just won't get because they've been shut in at home or maybe they're now working at home. So we're going to really focus on what we can do to engage people. I was going to, to save some of the audience uh, questions for the end, but I think there's actually an interesting one here. Um, so just so you guys know, uh, when you signed up, there was an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, we reviewed them and there's some important ones that we wanted to bring up with uh, Matt and kind of coincidentally uh, prior to, you know, starting when we were all meeting as, as amongst us panelists, we were talking to, to Matt about potentially getting involved in corporate wellness. And I think that kind of hits on this aspect that you're talking about, Matt, where we're very social beings. 
So obviously you're talking about remote employees potentially from your perspective, but right. all the local businesses, uh, you said, you know, Mayo Clinic is, is huge in your area. The rest of the, that's the rest of the companies that are employing the other 75% of, of the area, et cetera. So I'm wondering what kind of, of trend or if you see any kind of opportunity getting in that space, kind of tackling that trend of that social uh, desire. Yeah, so one of the things we're strongly looking at um, is is a, a product actually that you guys offer called Stronger Together. That's an add-on to the Virtual Gym app that we have. And we feel that's going to really help us have something tangible to approach um, corporate wellness programs with where we can have some you know, ability to track who's using what or how our trainers are working with them. But it's, you know, that gives people online um, group X classes online, which is huge um, meditations and ways to relax. I think that's huge, going to be huge going forward. Um, it has uh, some training capabilities where our trainers can do that. We can set up corporate um, competitions like steps tr or whatever you just want to want to offer and really give them a way to measure how many people are using it and what's going on. So that's going to be big for us because it's as much as we would love to sell a membership to every corporation and have them bring their people in the business because we do some of that. That's not what every corporation is looking for. Um, but being able to create a little bit of that camaraderie or competition um, in that app is going to be huge because then there's social groups in there and maybe you can get some conversations going back and forth or either conversations in person if they happen to still be working next to each other in the office. But I really think um, camaraderie is a big part of this. So whether it's, you know, giving people something to, to you know, gamify fitness, I think will be big. And so last year we happened to do a walk challenge um, for our members and where I noticed it more was the amount of, of talking, taunting, squawking going on between our employees on who was where. And it was really just fun to watch that. Um, so, you know, if we can bring that type of thing to another company, it's the same the same thing sort of as, you know, that, that fantasy football group that can give each other a little bit of an issue depending on who had a good weekend. But we had one lady who put in like 17,000 steps in one day. And so you go and you're going, what in the world were you doing? And, you know, so it, just creating that ability and discussion points, I think will be big. So I guess kind of on that front, then you talked about, you know, potentially um, through, through Stronger Together, potentially going at, at corporates. But I'm curious, especially because of your previous comment, when, when Kaylin brought up about the, the mistake or something you learned, it's pretty clear that um, you're hesitant to make fast decisions. You want to make um, fast and logical decisions, you know. Right. So um, I'm wondering, based upon that, and we look at kind of these trends, is there maybe a specific trend that you're, you know, you're skeptical on, you're not quite jumping on it just yet? Uh, well, what I'm, I'm skeptical of changing everything in my business at the moment. I know a lot of people, um, the press are saying clubs aren't, you know, that they're as dangerous as bars. And, and I just firmly don't believe that. I think we've got a good product and a good offering. And I certainly haven't been in as many businesses that are taking cleanliness, sanitization, organization, separation of people as seriously as the fitness industry has. Um, I mean, what I see from my other roundtable mates and what I know is going on here, um, I do think we're going to have to change some things, but I think changing everything wholesale is going to result in confusion down the road. I do believe a vaccination will come. I do believe that things will return a little bit back to where they were, but we will all have a different appreciation for whatever value we felt was violated during the pandemic. Um, so being aware of what some of those are, um, and like I said, in, in watching my kids, the ability to have social interaction, especially now with school being what it is. So I just really feel if we're have given the opportunity to be a safe place, we need we need to take that seriously and make it safe and comfortable. But that's one of the big things is I don't want to overreact and all of a sudden, you know, spend the infrastructure to move everything six to 10 feet apart and do all that where I find out in a year from now 
that may not be necessary, but I'm, I'm being cautious about making some of those changes. I mean, we obviously have every other piece of equipment marked off so that it's safe. So right now we are at half capacity for our equipment. But when I go and and start planning equipment purchases and whatever, I want to have a little bit more data of, of what's going on um, before we spend that kind of money. That's understood. So, I mean, obviously there's there there's many different opportunities for for different ways to to drive a business we're going to make logical decisions based upon um, basically implementing process by process and instead of trying to do some kind of you know face over right at the right from the very beginning which is yeah having been here 20 years i have the um good fortune or misfortune to have survived 20 or 2008, nine and 10. Like I know that we had to draw back and, and reset and do some things then, but we didn't do wholesale changes then either. We looked at what was inefficient and we stopped doing what was inefficient. Um, and we started to stress what people were looking for. And those are the things we got to do again. No, excellent. I think I have one last question before I, I pass it over to Kaylin. This was actually another question from the audience. So we're talking about all these different trends, the future of the industry. Uh, this particular individual seems to um, see Peloton as a potential uh, in-home product that is going to, to threat online coaching. And they were basically, they wanted to know from you, Matt, if you also felt that. So um, I, I think Peloton is probably the biggest one out there that I would say would, would be a threat. Um, and, and you can get some socialization um, through that platform, you know, with other and, and there's some competition with other riders and, and you get call outs from coaches and different things. But in the long run, that's still not going to give you social interaction, uh, human to human, face to face, which I really think, you know, is going to be critical that with people, again, working from home, we're going to be able to provide that, Re you know, restaurants are one thing. Um, but a lot of people don't go out and eat with a mixed group of people. Um, when you come to the club, it's more of who's there um, and, and having access to people you wouldn't have had access to before and learning something, finding your tribe, finding your your group of people who have similar interests or similar um, exercise habits. Um, and then building a network from there. I think we're, we're uniquely positioned to do that. So I think Peloton is, is interesting, but I still have yet to go to a garage sale where I don't see home equipment in the yard somewhere. So it's not a long lasting solution for a lot of people. It may be, uh, you know, a perfect product for 10 to 15%. We're a perfect product for 18 to 20% right now. The goal is to increase that, but I think as an industry, we just need to demonstrate we're safe and, and people will come to realize that health and wellness are a contributing factor to being, you know, more resistant to things like COVID. So I think we may come out of this with a bigger appreciation of what we sell and what we do, where that, that number might increase and there's going to be room for all of us. No, that's an excellent point of view. Um, I I basically would agree with everything you're saying. I think a lot of people need to basically, and we've heard this in previous webinars, is realize who our target uh, customers are, our, tie, our, our target businesses, et cetera, and really focus on that. Uh, I mean, ultimately, we have the best fit. So there's, we still have that opportunity, um, as you mentioned, at 18 to 20%. So, Kaylin, I'll pass it back over to you. I know you still have plenty of, of other questions that you wanted to get to, to Matt during the Lunch and Learn. Yeah, there was there was actually one that is perfect piggyback off the off of what you were just dis discussing with with Derek right now. You know, as far as you know what you've been seeing in the industry, how you evaluate uh, Peloton as a potential competitor, and and even a little bit of the discussion that we've been having about about COVID. Um, based off of your response, I think I kind of know the know the answer, but just want to ask it anyways. Um, with what you've been seeing over the course of the past few months, has anything happened where it's caused you to rethink the business model or plan things differently? Again, yeah, um, I'm going to go back to that wise mind and make sure I'm making a decision that's not wholly emotional. And it's really easy right now to be emotional about it because 
this situation is not fun. I wouldn't choose it um, had I been given a choice. I don't know of anyone who would. Um, but I do think, you know, the things we're going to have to do is really market more on safety, on sanitization. Make sure, you know, that our websites reflect that. So go back and, and view your uh, your website and make sure it's not showing a jam-packed or group exercise studio. Make sure that it, I'm not saying that you have to have everybody in a mask or everything, but but make sure you're showing things that, that will appeal to the market that is out there today. I mean, we've certainly made, you know, mistakes in some of our social media posts and you know it immediately when you post something mm-hmm. where people feel like it's, it's a uncomfortable picture where either somebody has a mask down or they're too close. But really, you gotta you gotta be on your game for those postings and make sure that they show that you're being responsible um, and that you're a safe place to be. And I think if we focus on that messaging right now, that's what's most important. We sent a survey out to all our members who are currently uh, frozen with us, uh, and we have about a third of our membership has chosen to. They they do want to come back. They're just not comfortable coming back now. We were trying to get a better idea of what are they looking for to change um, before they're coming back. And some of the variables we can have an impact on, some of them we can't. Um, So it's important for us to know how many people are waiting for a vaccine to come back. How many people are waiting for masks not to be required to come back? How many people are waiting for a little more freedom where they don't have to structure their time where they're on the fitness floor for this 90 minutes and they're going somewhere else for this 90, which is what we need to have for a reporting perspective right now. But so we can get and and maneuver our business to hopefully take advantage of already interested parties. I mean, people who've, who've experienced our brand and our, our club before, that's the lowest hanging fruit we have, but at least now we'll be targeting our time, money and effort rather than just guessing. So just looking at some of those things and, and getting feedback from your customers, I think is huge. Definitely. Another question I, I wanna ask, this one is is uh, from one of our partners. Uh, so I, I wanna go ahead and, and put it in here. Uh, so this isn't from a, from an operator's perspective, but actually one from one of our, our partners that we work with. And so I'm actually kind of curious about it as well for, for our teams as well who are are dealing with customers or prospective customers as well mm-hmm. uh, as as an owner uh, and and an operator how do you think that owners operators and gms prefer to be contacted by vendors during during the following months of, of lost revenue and most likely on a spending freeze due to COVID 19. yeah so to me um it- I don't it, it doesn't matter to me whether I'm reached by by a voice message or, you know, a phone call or by an email. But what I'm looking for a vendor to to, to come to me and do is offer a solution um, or what what they're going to be solving with what they're going to be selling. So approach with that first over what you're selling and what you need from me. Bring to me during this time what you're going to do for me that is going to allow me to have a better business to to get to our a better solution for our members. So if you can phase your approach in that perspective, that will get far more attention from myself. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting moment uh, with that. You know, I can say that for for our staff here when it comes to communicating with our, our customers, it's a it's a difficult time that's affecting people different differently, and we're letting them know it's not just virtual gym might not necessarily be top of mind when when you're calling on the customer. Other priorities might have came up re- related to finances, health, and other things that just make things not a priority. And uh, just like what what you were saying, you just need to make sure that you're approaching them as a human rather right. than just yeah. just a number. Yeah. The the biggest thing I think we can offer anyone right now is grace. Um, mm-hmm. Just try to uh, to have a little sympathy for where people are at um, and not judge. Definitely. Awesome. So uh, uh, the other question that I that I had as well, this one's kind of going back to um, is, is some of the ways that you've made decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I that, you know, I really like and took away is that you have the associations, you have the team structures and the processes that are designed in order to make it so that this way you're able to foster the best ideas 
uh, across the teams and across, you know, the, the industry and also across the local community. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but an, another question I'm just, uh, curious about as well, you know, just from speaking to you, do you have any, any mentors or people that you personally look to for, for inspiration? Uh, I do. My biggest mentor is my dad. Um, he'll always be my biggest mentor. Um, one of my best friends, but really, uh, it's, I'm a third generation business owner. Um, my grandfather operated buses in Mississippi. Uh, and my dad has been involved in several different businesses. Um, and so far I've been involved in the rack and what I would politely call a disaster in the food and beverage arena. Um, so I'm not very interested in that arena as a standalone again, but um, mm -hmm. he's really inspired me. Uh, he, the biggest lesson he's taught me, and I, and I share this probably to the point where some of my managers roll their eyes, is uh, whenever you you have a problem and you've you've spent money or time, you've spent a resource on it and it didn't go the way you want it. As long as you learn something from it, my dad calls that tuition. So um, I always say, what tuition, you know, can you use that as tuition? What did you get from it rather than, I mean, it's another way of phrasing, you know, what did you learn from it? But when I view it as tuition, I don't mind so much that I spent time or money on it as long as I learned something from it. Um, and then the other people, you know, my my Rex roundtable, there are too many in there to mention, um, but Brent Darden happens to lead that. I think he's an incredible person, great human being. Um, and he's really an inspiration for me on how I want to live and be. Uh, my wife and kids are mentors to me. My kids um, really want me to make me want to be the best version of myself that I can be so I don't disappoint or embarrass them. And then really my teammates. Um, my team at the Rack are inspirational to me. They're all hired because of the skills or jobs they have and watching them get to display those. Um, and, and us being successful when we've done that is, is pretty fun to watch. And I've learned a ton from all of them. Um, there's a reason I am not on our Medallia feedback team, uh, because I tend to write in my emotional mind, not in my wise mind. There are people who are better at that. So get them in those positions where we have a better impact on the member experience. Yeah, it sounds like you've created quite a quite a company and 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 the culture there just from the way that you've spoken about it i just get this this family vibe from from the from the way that you work with your team and and uh the way that you operate there uh, but i don't want to just don't want to just guess it you know how, how would you personally say that you have uh built built the culture within the team and uh kind of a follow-up question to that as well is especially during these times how do you sustain that culture and create motivation for yourself and team during sure. yeah these challenging times? Um, no, family is, is a good word. Um, I've often referred to the business as a second marriage, um, you know, and sometimes I have to prioritize one over the other um, based on which one is hurting a little bit more. And I don't mean that as like, I, I but it really, it's because it's so important to what, my family is able to do because of what we've got invested in the business. Sometimes it takes over priority, but uh, culture wise, really, I think the culture has to come from ownership and leadership. Um, like I had mentioned before, we took, uh, uh, we went to actually Florida for four or five days and I, I, it was the general manager, the assistant general manager, the human resources director and myself, and we wanted to rewrite our values um, so that they matched what after 2012, what the new organization was going to be like. So we kind of came up with our current values, which, you know, quickly are empower all associates, um, challenge the process, communicate openly and honestly. And I think that one's huge because most of the problems in, in businesses are communication based. Um, think and act ethically, give back to the community, cleanliness. Team rack, which just means, you know, it's like football. It takes all 11 people on, on a football team working together to execute the play well. It takes all of our team working together to execute the play well. And then uh, fiscal responsibility. And how we sustain that is we live our values. Um, we make decisions by them. We hire by them. We let people go by them. Um, and they drive our culture. 
whenever we have those big decisions to make, we we reflect on how do they fit in with the values and, and what do they guide us to do? Um, but it did take a lot longer to infuse that the new values into the business than I thought. I thought we'd come back from Florida and in six months after everybody was aware of them, um, things would be changed. It, it took five years because it takes living it. Um, and then there was turnover from the previous group that didn't align with the new values. And, and as sad as is it, as it is to say goodbye to some people, um, when they don't fit their values, they'll be happier somewhere else and you'll be happier with them somewhere else. And it's just uh, as long as we 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 operate by that, we're going to be OK. Awesome. And then uh, last thing I want to do uh, is also, which we've done in the past webinars, we're using a new software. So we don't have the little hand raising button now in order to allow people to uh, to jump in and ask some questions. But at the end of the day, this is this is your webinar and time to ask questions uh, as well. And we want to make sure that we're reflecting you know, some of the questions that you uh, would like to be answered as well. So if you're in the 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 webinar uh, right now, and you you feel comfortable and would like to go ahead and and ask a question and and aren't shy as well and would would jump in on uh, on the microphone, go ahead and just use the chat section right now in order to. Uh, for me, it's a little blue bubble at the bottom that has a little chat icon. If you click on that and you send a a chat to us at the moment and you want to go ahead and jump in and, and ask Matt a question, feel free and uh, go ahead and put that chat in there saying that you'd like to go ahead and do that. Um, while we wait for, for, for that as well, I heard a little, a little sound come through on my end. So I think that somebody go, went ahead and chatted. Um, so we'll be able to go ahead and unmute you. But while we wait to, to see uh, somebody come through, you know, one of the, one of the last questions on, uh, the last question from my side is, you know, I've obviously have seen all of the success and, and anytime I go to, to Ursa, we're, we're hearing so much about your organization, Matt, and always talked about as one of the best clubs in, in, in the nation. Um, what do you think has been the key to your, to the success of the business and your personal success over this time? Oh, that's a pretty humbling question. Uh, thank you for your kind words. Um, I, I really, work very hard to take care of the employees and do the right thing in, in the moment that we can. Um, and I really feel like my team is a bunch of people with the same mindset where we try to do what's right in the opportunities that we're given. Um, I think we're lucky enough to have, you know, some great insight from the, the, the people who started the business on starting at the size they started it, um, which was crazy for a town of, it was at the, at the time, 100,000 people. We've added 40,000 square feet since, but we've really just tried to reflect what Rochester as a community is asking for. Um, we have an indoor park we call the neighborhood. It's a 35,000 square foot um, indoor play area really for eight to 13 year olds it's not going to be common for a ton of clubs but we're in minnesota where nine months out of the year having a thirty-five thousand square foot play place for kids is pretty important um so just being responsive to our community and doing the right thing when we have the opportunity i think has been part of our success awesome and and one uh, question did come through from from Alexis as well Matt so the question that she asked uh, is I, I think related to to covid and the the uncertainty that's happening right now uh, yeah. which is what do you think about the 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 next four months so the next four months for us really um, we we were fortunate we had a really good January and February. And then obviously the, the wheels fell off the bus. We didn't even hit the brakes. Like it just broke down and fell apart. And we were closed in March through June 10th. Um, really for, for us, it's about going through the rest of the year and operating at a break even um, is really what we're trying to strive to do. And if we can get to 2021, having 2020 operated as a break even I'll consider it a really big success um, because that allows us to to be around which I think is going to be important because not every gym unfortunately is going to make it in our community we've already lost I don't know 10 12 restaurants I mean it's just right now it's it's to 
to survive and be a safe place for the next four months. And then really to learn where things are at, because we're getting a whole bunch of information on both sides of every equation. And we're going to continue to get that through the election, unfortunately. So once maybe that dust settles, we'll have at least some some momentum that is worth building towards. And yeah, that was uh, that was the question from from Alexis. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for answering that one. And the next one that came through as well is from from Frank. And Frank is asking, Matt, how much of your business depends on personal training? And what do you see the future of it for the next four months? So, um, you know, we typically were operating at about a 70% dues, 30% non-dues. Um, a big chunk of that is tennis for us. Personal training is is important for us, um, but it's probably our largest opportunity to continue to grow. Um, so I've really seen some, some, we have a lot of clients who are a little hesitant to come back and we're starting to slowly see that. Um, really, they just need the opportunity to get somebody in and have a session with them and show them what the new gym uh, post-COVID is like during this transition time. Once they've accomplished that, they're really set. People get comfortable and they understand what's going on and the routine is different. But getting it's it's interesting. I just heard a conversation between a member and a trainer um, today outside of my office and, and the member just isn't comfortable yet. Um, they want to work out in this one area of the club where no one else is. They don't want to be in intermixed. And we just have to, again, show grace and be respectful where, for where people are at. I know that probably doesn't answer the question terrifically, but we're, we're being patient and being educational where we can. It's really the approach we're trying to take. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Matt, on that one. And we are at at time already. So lastly, I just want to say thank you to everybody who took the chance in order to join us today. Thanks again, Matt, for for sharing your time with us as well and those those words of wisdom with with us and our team and everybody who's joining us today. We we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.